Before we get started, let's, uh, let's pray this morning. Because I don't know about you, but this has been, uh, it's been a pretty crazy week for us and uh, a lot of distractions and a lot of reasons why to th- this morning would not go well. But we're here and uh, God is going to do something amazing and I just want us to prepare our hearts for that. Let's pray. God, we come to you this morning in celebration of what Easter Sunday represents. Easter Sunday represents the reason we are here Yes, on today particularly, but also the reason we get up every Sunday and go to church. Without Easter Sunday, that is a big waste of time. But because of Easter Sunday, we do it. And we do it as a celebration of what it means for for believers. That Jesus died on the cross, rose again, and, and, and because of that, we have freedom and we have hope and we have a future. So give us eyes to see your truth, give us ears to hear what you want us to hear this morning, and let our hearts understand how you're working in each of our lives. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, happy Easter from Arrows Church. Man, we're so glad that each of you are here. You all look amazing, by the way. And uh, Easter is just special, isn't it? It's one of those days we just kind of do things that we don't do other days. We, we, we come to church and we get a little more dressed up on this day than we normally do, don't we? And uh, we take family photos and stuff like that. We even have traditions that we do as families. A lot of those revolve around food. So how many of you uh, say, you know what, in our family, we do like a, like a big lunch or dinner. We cook a big lunch or dinner on Easter Sunday, Okay. For anybody who uh, doesn't have plans today, look around. Maybe you can inter- you know, invite yourself to their home. How many of you would say, no, no way, man, no cooking on Easter. We go out. We prefer to go out to a restaurant or anything like that. Okay, great. Just a tip, if you raised your hand uh, on that one and you're sitting next to someone who says, no, I prefer to cook a big dinner, just slowly lower your hand. Try to play it off. You'll thank me later on, okay? But we do things on Easter Sunday that typically we might not do because it's, it's a special day. It's a little bit different. And uh, our theme this Easter is like no other. We believe that we serve a Savior who is like no other. We believe we serve a person, Jesus, who was like no other, that he lived a life like no other so that we could live like no other. We believe that. And I want to illustrate that to you today by looking at one of Jesus' stories that he told in his scripture. And I'll be honest with you. Uh, when, when I first kind of felt, you know, the, the Spirit saying, hey, I want you to talk about this on Easter, I was like, really? That's not an Easter sermon. And then God was like, oh, so you're the expert on what an Easter sermon is these days. And I'm like, okay, okay. And so, and so I'm excited. I'm excited to see what God is going to do through this passage that we're going to read this morning. But let me just set the context for you up, what was going on. One day, the Bible says Jesus was teaching a bunch of people, and there were so many people. They were just crowding in, okay, and that he had to get in a boat and push off of shore and then turn around so he could see and teach and so that everyone could hear him. That's how many people were there. And so he just begins to teach them, I would say more tell them stories. He began to just say story after story after story and what the Bible calls parables. Now, parable is, is a, was a very common way to teach a truth. And, and, and you know this. In fact, I bet you've even taught your own parables. If you're a parent and you've taught your kids at some point the story of the boy who cried wolf, right? A parable is a made-up story that teaches a very real truth. And in that, you're saying, hey, don't lie. 
And don't keep lying because one of these days you might actually need help and no one's going to believe you, right? That's a parable. So Jesus gets up and he just teaches story after story after story, parable after parable after parable. And we pick up one of these stories. We're going to look at one of them in Matthew chapter 13, starting in verse 24. I'm not going to have all the verses up here, so you're just going to have to kind of follow along with me, okay? So just put yourself in the story, in the moment when Jesus is saying this. Verse 24, Jesus gave them another parable to consider, because remember, it wasn't the only one, saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. You guys know what a sower is, don't you? Like, come on, this is Nebraska. Like, we know what sower is. Like, it's the guy that goes out and, and sows the seed. If you don't know what it looks like, drive down to Lincoln and look at the top of the Capitol building. There's literally one on the top. And, and up until this year, it was on all of your license plates, too. Like, that's a sower. The one, the one who scatters the seed. And then this story, the sower is scattering wheat. He's, he's throwing out wheat in the field, okay? So this is what the kingdom of heaven is like, Jesus is saying. Verse 25, but while his men were sleeping, the farmer's men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed seeds resembling wheat among the wheat and then went away. So when the plant sprouted and formed grain, the weeds appeared also. The servants of the owner came to him and said, Sir, did you not sow good seed in the field? Then how does it have weeds in it? And he replied to them, An enemy has done this. The servants asked him, Well, then do you want us to go out and, and pull the weeds up? And the farmer said, No, because as you pull out the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. So let them grow together until the harvest. And at the harvest time, I will tell the reapers... First, gather the weeds and tie them into bundles to be burned, and then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. And that was it. He just stopped talking. He didn't stop talking. He just went on to a different story. That was it. He just kind of moved on. Now, what's cool about this particular story is we get to pick up a little bit after the fact that just a few hours later, probably, what happens because of this. The Bible tells us that Jesus, after he just went on from story to story to story about the, what the kingdom of heaven was like, he got out of the boat, he left the crowd, and he went into the house with his disciples. Meaning, everything that Jesus is about to say, nobody in that crowd heard him say. They just all heard these stories, went home, and was like, what was that all about? That was weird story time with Jesus. Like, do you understand that? So they, they didn't get to hear any explanation, only his disciples. So they go into the house, and his disciples come to him, and they're like, Jesus, remember that time you were telling the story about the sower, you know, like two hours ago? What in the world were you talking about? Like, please explain this parable to us, which, which reminds me of this. Don't ever let anybody tell you not to question what Jesus teaches. Jesus' own disciples, the guys that rolled with him every day for three years, didn't understand everything that Jesus said. And if they didn't understand everything that Jesus said, what makes us think that we're going to understand it? Especially the first time hearing it without any explanation. And so it's okay to ask questions. Guys, there are sections of the Bible that we have Portions of the Bible that we have that we would not have, they would not be in the Bible unless Jesus' disciples said, what? What are you talking about? What do you mean? 
And this is one of those sections. And so Jesus, in order to help his disciples understand what the story was about, he explains what everything, what, what all the parts were in the story, starting in verse 37. He answered, the one who sows the good seed, that's the son of man. In other words, that's me. I'm the sower, Jesus said. And the field, well, that's the world. And as far as the good seed goes, well, these are the sons of the kingdom. In other words, these are God's children. And the weeds, those are the sons of the evil one. These, in other words, are, are the devil's children. And the enemy who sowed those seeds, that's the devil. And the harvest is the end of the age, meaning judgment day. And the reapers are the angels. And I can just see the disciples in this house, in that living room, wherever they were at, being like, okay. And, like, you ever, have, you ever been there, like, you ask someone a question, and they clearly answer the question, and you're like, I still got nothing. Like, I don't, I, I, come on, help me out here. Jesus, I think, senses this, that they're still not quite getting it, and so he, he picks it up in verse 40, and you can follow it with me on the screen up here. Just as the weeds are sorted out and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the world. The Son of Man will send his angels and they will remove from his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. And the angels will throw them into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in their Father's kingdom. So track with me here. In the story, the farmer, who we know is Jesus, he sows the good seed. He sows the wheat. And then the enemy sneaks in and also sows seeds. But this is bad seeds. These are the weeds that grow up in there as well. So in the field, you have both the good seed and you have the weeds. Weeds are also called tares, by the way. So your, your Bible translation, if you're reading this, it may say wheat and tares. It's the same thing as saying wheat and weeds. So in this field, you have the wheat and you have the weeds, and here's the thing, they look alike. It's really, really, really difficult to tell them apart unless you know exactly what you're looking for, unless you really inspect them, it's really difficult to tell them apart. So in this world, track with me here, we have the children of God, the good seed, the wheat, and in this world, we have the children of the devil, the bad seed, the weeds, and a lot of times, guys, we can't tell them apart can we? They look similar. They do a lot of the same things. The children of the devil look like the children of God in a lot of ways. They talk like them. They act like them. They appear to be them in a lot of situations. They, 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 they go to church just like them sometimes. They, they, they work as hard as some of them sometimes, and it's really hard for us to tell the difference. See, our enemy, the devil, is an imitator. That's all he is. That's what he does. He can't come up with anything creative on his own, and so he imitates what God already did. So, so Jesus goes around, and he sows the good seed, the wheat, and the devil's like, I know what I can do. I can sow bad seed, and wouldn't you know, it looks an awful lot like the good seed. He's an imitator. He imitates the good and the glory of God and turns it into his own things. So in the story, if you remember the worker, the, 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 work, the farmer's workers, they come to him and they say, hey, do you want us to go pull up the weeds before it gets out of control? 
And the farmer says, no, let them grow together and wait until harvest time. Why? Because the root of the weeds actually attach themselves to the root of the wheat. The bad seed attaches itself to the good seed. Why? Because lies need truth to survive. Evil needs good in order to, to, to look powerful. And so the enemy comes in and attaches himself to the good seed, and the farmer's like, no, 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 don't pull them out yet. Let's wait. Let's wait until harvest time, because at harvest time, when the wheat is ripe, in other words, it's much easier to tell the difference between the wheat and the weeds. When wheat reaches its maturity, it bends naturally because of the weight of the seed that's in it. Isn't that a beautiful picture of the humility and submission that should be present in a mature believer's life. You should be able to see the humility and submission in a believer's life. It's literally what sets us apart from the world. It's how people know that we are followers of Christ. It's because we walk in humility and submission. The weeds, when they're mature, they don't bend over as much. In fact, they continue to stand sort of stiff and tall And isn't that also a beautiful picture of what it looks like to live a life apart from the humility and submission to Jesus? That there is a stiffness, that there's a rigidness that comes to living a life of pride and self-sufficiency. And so at harvest time, it's easier to tell the difference. So I'm glad that everyone is here on Easter, okay? Happy Easter. We're so glad you're here. But I want you to know this, at harvest time... You will only be judged on one thing. It's not how awesome you look on Easter. It's not all your traditions. It's are you a child of God or are you a child of the devil? And remember, they look an awful lot alike. So don't be confused. Rather, I would say be convinced of which one you are. Because it doesn't matter at that point. When harvest time comes, if you're a weed, you're not going to get out of that. You're not going to say, but I'm a healthy weed. Like, I'm gonna, look at me, I'm the tallest weed there is. I'm the biggest, baddest weed in this field. It doesn't matter. Our future, guys, listen to me. I want you to hear this. Our future, I believe, according to the Bible, is exactly the same as the future of those weeds that are bundled up and thrown away. I believe that's our future apart from Jesus. And it's really hard for us to tell the difference. In fact, I would say there's only two ways. There's only two ways we can know for certain if we're good seed or if we're bad seed. We can know, but there's only two ways. Number one, we could wait until harvest time. We could wait until harvest time to find out if we're bowing or not. We could wait until judgment day and let Jesus tell us, how we did. Jesus, did I do enough good stuff to outweigh all the bad stuff? Did I do enough, did I think enough good things to outweigh all the bad things that I thought about? Did I, did I do enough good in the world in order to cover all the bad in the world? But here's the caution that I would say if you go that route, if you wait until harvest time. We don't get to know when harvest time is. We don't know when judgment day is coming. For some of us, Judgment Day, harvest time, might be 40, 50 years from now. For some of us, it might be today on our way home from that lunch. 
we don't get to pick. And if we wait until judgment day to then decide, I think I'll bow, it will be too late. The Bible says that every knee will bow and every tongue confess. But if we wait until harvest time, guys, it will be too late. That's one way. That's one way we can know for certain. The other way is to go ahead and bow now in humility. It's to bow now. It's to get on our knees before God and say, God, I can't do this on my own. I need you. I need to know for certain that I can be good seed. Jesus, I want you to come into my life and save me and make me new. Take me from life to death. I'm not good and I want to be better. I'm dead and I I need to be alive. God, come into my life. We can know for certain if we do that. And the reason Jesus is like no other is because he's the only one who can guarantee that we can know. He's the only one, guys. Nobody else or nothing else can guarantee that if we place our faith in Jesus Christ, we can know for certain that we are good seed. And we never have to question it again. Why? Because it's his authority that makes us the good seed, not us. It's not our good deeds. If you're not 100% certain today, I ask you, I'm asking you to be certain. I'm telling you, you can be certain. You don't have to go out of here and wonder, I don't know, am I good, am I bad? Was, you don't have to wake up tomorrow and wonder if today was good enough. You know what I mean? You don't have to lay your head down at the pillow at night and wonder, was today a win? Did I get the W today? Or was it, a, was it an L? I'm not sure. I guess I'll try harder tomorrow to make sure. We don't have to live that way. We can lay down saying, man, that was a victory. No matter how I did, it was a victory because Jesus is in my life. Doesn't matter your church background. Doesn't matter if you've been to church every week of your life or if this is your first time in a church or in a school that is a church. It doesn't matter. What matters is that we can know for certain today and that there's never been a time that you remember saying, Jesus, come into my life. Make me new. I want to serve you. If there's, if you If you don't remember doing that, I encourage you today, just make that known. Be certain today for yourself, for your your family's benefit, for the kingdom of God. And so I'm going to ask the band to go ahead and come up. And I I want you guys to pull out that response card, uh, those little cards. If If you don't have one, raise your hand. We could probably get one to you. But here's why. I tried to make this as general enough where all of you can answer something on here. I didn't want just a couple of people. Uh, we got some hands over here that need a card. I didn't want just a couple of people filling out this card. I literally want all of you to fill this card out. Okay, and so here are your options. I think you can find yourself somewhere in these options. Number one, saying, hey, you know what? I've already accepted Jesus as my Savior. And if that's you, man, check that box Praise God, hallelujah, amen, and pray for everyone else in this room who is making decisions today. And maybe you're saying, you know what, I'm not ready to accept Jesus. I want to make it known, I'm not ready, I still have questions. And if that's you, listen to me, I understand you. That was me. I'm a very analytical thinker. I did not just wake up one day and be like, I want to serve Jesus with my life. It took a while, guys. It took a while to get through my brain. And if that's you, I get it. I get you. But I also want to help you. 
And so if that's you, mark that box. Or maybe today for the first time, you're like, I do want to give my life to Jesus today. I want to declare for myself that I know that I'm accepting Jesus as my Savior. Maybe you're rededicating your decision to follow Jesus. There was a time when you made that decision. But you know what? You haven't been living for Jesus. You've been living for yourself. There's been a little bit of that stiffness, a little bit of that rigidness in your life. And you're like, I want to bow in humility and submission and live life according to the way Jesus wants me to. And maybe for some of you, you need to be baptized. Man, we're wanting to do baptisms next week at our first birthday party. It's next week. How cool would it be if you got baptized on our first birthday party? That would be amazing. And listen to me. Some, more than one of these can be true. You can, you can receive Jesus today and get baptized next week. That's fine. But we want to be able to contact you. And I would say this. If you have ever been baptized and you don't remember your baptism, and you say, you say that you're a follower of Jesus, I would ask you to question whether or not you need to be baptized. Because we believe here that an infant being baptized is not a decision that that infant is making. As meaningful as it was for your family, don't get me wrong, it was amazing for them. That was not a decision you made. And we believe that that is a personal decision going public with our faith and following Jesus. I encourage you to do that if that's what you need to do. There's contact information on there. And on your way out, there'll be some people uh, taking those cards and baskets. Please drop those in there on your way out. Guys, let me lead us in prayer. God, I pray that even now as people are still wondering, which box do I check? God, give them courage. Give them the ability to say, you know what? I am tired of not knowing for certain what my future is. I want to know with 100% certainty what my future is going to be. We want to bow in submission and and humility to Jesus. We don't want to walk in rigidness and self-sufficiency and pride. So God, I pray that you move in, in all of our hearts this morning. God, and you cause people to take that next step of faith, whatever it is for them. We look forward to seeing what you're going to do today. God, we pray in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Guys, go ahead and stand up with me. The band's going to sing a song, but I want to remind you of this before we start singing. Friday through Sunday, on the surface, looked like an ordinary ministry failure as far as Jesus was concerned. Jesus had come along. He'd made some bold claims. He had done some amazing things, some true miracles. But he was dead. They killed him. And they put him in a tomb. But how many of you know that Friday's good because Sunday's coming? How many of you know that we don't have to lose hope because Sunday's coming? How many of you know that we can celebrate what they did to Jesus on the cross on Friday because we know the rest of the story? That we can call Friday good because we know the hope that Sunday morning brings. Satan on Friday thought he had won. He thought, I have defeated the Son of Man. He's dead. He's buried. But Sunday morning, Jesus, like no other, walked out of that grave in victory. God 
The glory is yours. The battle is won. Your kingdom has come. Jesus, in your name we rise. The glory is yours. The glory is yours. Let's, let's see.